Welcome to the Career Pro Inc. podcast. We're here with the author of Boomernomics and Careering, Dana Gower. Dana, welcome. Well, thank you, John. And it's good to be here because we're going to talk about uh, people who are in transition and how you communicate your value proposition today in today's market. This could be mid-career people. You could be making in the 50s to 100s, 100 to 300. We have clients that have gone that are 300 to a million plus in salary that we've worked with over the years but everybody is at at base a human being and you have to communicate your value proposition what are your thoughts on that today this is going to be quick i hope it gives you some ideas because if you're not doing that and you're freshly in transition or maybe you're confidentially searching. Maybe you're an entrepreneur, a business owner who wants to go back in the workforce. There's a lot of different things that you could be communicating that are valuable, that you're proud of, what you've done. But are you communicating a sort of an obituary or your current value? Dana, make some comments and then we'll get into this. Well, I think the first thing and maybe the most important thing is to identify pain or opportunity points. In other words, when you are seeking out a company or a position, finding out what is going on there and how you might be able to help and then position yourself as a solutions person for their pain or their opportunity. So you should, no matter what level you are, let's, let's start at the top. Let's start at even C-suite, CFOs, chief revenue officers, uh, CEOs even of uh, small companies, not maybe a mega multi-billion dollar uh, CEO necessarily, but how you communicate that value proposition, you're saying identify problems, issues. How would you look, how would you find that out? Is that, why is that a good thing? Maybe they're having a few problems. All the big companies you hear it in the news Meta, for example, recently having problems, even in the pharmaceutical industry, which we deal with here in the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina. But what are you trying to find out and what are you looking at? Well, I think the biggest mistake is, you know, we, we have accomplishments and we're proud of those. We may start, start talking <clears throat> about our accomplishments to a prospective employer in a way that, you know, maybe they're great, but they're not relevant. So mm-hmm. if you can get them to open up, or through your network and advance some clues as to what their pain points might be, or opportunity too. Some company, you know, not every company is experiencing a pain. They may want, they may have big objectives they want you, you know, tie into, and then sell yourself what you've done in light of those specifics. I want to say something in relation to that and add on to that, Dana, is make sure you know who you're selling to, because you may talk to, uh, someone who, who you deem as a C-suite professional is, well, that, that, I don't need to talk to that person. They're too low. But be careful. You might be talking to your comp- competition too. So who you network with. So find out who in your network could make an introduction or give you some insight and say, look, I've seen some really good things on the 10K. I've seen some great things that the company's doing in some of the PR releases. But what are some pain points that they're having now? 
what are you seeing in the industry as a whole? Maybe you could talk to someone on the inside of that company or, or who was with that company at a higher level who you can build a relationship with. How important is that intel and that network? Maybe doing a little bit of your intel gathering, and I want to add more because I want to ask you again, how important is it to have someone who knows those people on the inside give you some advice about who to connect with who would be safe zone, who would give you some insight, might be open to you, even if they don't have a position. How important is that in creating your value proposition? Well, I think it's... Other people. Yeah, I think other people are absolutely invaluable. On the inside, maybe ex-employees of that firm, ex-executives of that firm also can be a source of information. I think you have to temper it, though, and I think most people know this, that you're talking about others' perceptions. So... Uh, I think one one avenue to avoid in that process or a caution step is don't presume just because somebody told you X, Y, Z is happening there that it's still happening there or was exactly that way. So let your let your conversation flow so that you're saying, hey, is this the case? You know, rather than presume that's the case. But you're advocating probing questions connecting with people. This could be as simple, and some executives don't like to do this. Look, I, you know, I'm above that. I've been recruited my whole life. I've been thought highly of in my network. Why should I have to sort of, sometimes it, they don't say the word, but grovel a little bit. Why do I have to get my hands dirty by connecting with people who might not be the connector, but might lead me to one? Why, why would you say that someone who feels like, hey, this is a little bit hitting my pride, I've never had to do this. Why is it? We can equip you to do that. We can't always do it exactly for you as advocates, as facilitators. But how do, what do you say to that? Well, I think if that you're, that's, you're feeling a little reticent. You feel, yeah, yeah, feeling, yeah. And, and, and that's understandable. You know, you've, you've had huge accomplishments. You know that in the right circumstance that you can take the company to the next level or the function to the next level. But think about it this way. The more you know, the more insight you have, you know, you're, you may not want to take that opportunity if it's offered. So more intelligence is better than less intelligence, no matter what you find out. And those people that you're connecting with, if you build a connection with them, if you, can, if you make that a live connection on LinkedIn, and you let them know, hey, here's some of the things that I can do, not a whole laundry list, not a giant paragraphs, not links, 100 links to all the wonderful things. But if you give them a succinct, let's say, three value proposition points that could say, look, I could help a company in these three ways, you build a relationship. You can go back then in a second conversation and say, hey, if you were me, who, who, who do you feel I should talk to? And one of the keys is don't refuse an introduction by that person. If you built that relationship and they're willing to introduce you, I've seen people do that. They don't No, I, I, I'm going to go in a different direction or I'm going to move this way. Or, I, I, I want to pivot over here. Those people aren't quite at my level. Do not get that mindset. That's dangerous, isn't it? I think it is. I think it is dangerous to, to do that. And, and <clears throat> that can happen in some cases. I think more emotionally intelligent executives uh, today understand that uh, leads, opportunities, can come from, as you say, any level. You just don't know. Or worse yet, if you make a bad impression with someone that you perceive as lower than, uh, that person may have the ear of the CEO. You know what's interesting? That Just to dive off of that point, we do some reference checking for, for both on the, the some of the recruiting 
gigs that you're working on that are separate than our some of our, our, our career services work that we do. But we talk to references. We talk to our client references. You talk to them or, or encourage people in the, the recruiting area to, to build references. You know what's interesting? I was talking to one of my executives who, who was in a very pretty big company, a uh, pretty darn big company in the pharmaceutical area. And his former CEO, uh, where he was let, laid off, you know, just because of the changes in business a couple of years ago, said to me in part of the conversation talking about our client and talking about, you know, some of his virtues, some of the things he wants him to work on, he thought as he grows, because he's, he's a very coachable person, and said that, uh, I have spies. I was like, what do you mean? He said, a lot of, you know, a lot of my CEO friends and others, they have people in the organization that they trust, their advice and counsel, and they can also tell them as a CEO, hey, here's what you need to change. Here's what you, you went in there like a wrecking ball. The, the, the whole division is a little paralyzed right now. He said, they aren't just spies to find out what's wrong so that you can get intel on people and, and, and hurt them in a way. He said, I want spies to let me know Hey, what's going on with my organization? And, and he said that that's one of the things that he would suggest our client add into his repertoire is say, hey, you don't have to do everything because this guy is just an unbelievable workhorse and wonderful person. But he said, you go in and find some spies. So I think the thing that you're saying, too, is really important because you you also have spies that are looking at people who you're connecting with and building a relationship with that they're going to try and keep distant from you. If you're not, if the tenor of your conversation and your value proposition is all about me, 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 me. From the beginning, we're saying make it about them, their needs, their problems, less about you. And that way you can open the door. What do you say to that? Having spies both positive, you know, giving you positive fixes for the things you've messed up on, but also saying, hey, this could be a problem. I'm seeing some people here. And not just tattletales, but do you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah, I do. And I think Interesting comment. Having those uh, allegiances, you know, you can call them spies. Having those allegiances can be really, really powerful and can help you build out your network, not just in terms of the, maybe the company that you're targeting for an opportunity, but who knows what, you know, what other companies they may know, too. It's just a really good thing to have those kind of open dialogues. and. Um, and to build that intelligence. That and, every, and, and everybody who is networking should think about, no matter who you're talking to, it may be someone running an association group, it may be someone running uh, an organization, it may be a recruiter, a senior executive recruiter. Think about what's in it for them, with them, right? You talk about that a lot. So what is in it for them if they introduce you, if they carry a strong, sharply worded, very brief message to other people, are they going to look good by introducing you? How important is that in, in, in getting a little bit of a viral field to, and the goodwill of spreading your name around that could open doors at that early you know, 50s and up level to the higher level positions where you might get some positive word of mouth campaign going where you open the door to unpublished leads. So let's, let's wrap up with that. Well, I think that's really super cool to, you know, to, to uh, think about in that <clears throat> you and I have talked, you, you've mentioned for years about other people's words. Other people's words mean a lot more than what I might be able to say in my favor. 
And so using both, it doesn't mean you're shy or anything like that going into this, but, you know, being, you know, having that, uh, that artillery, that additional support saying, hey, John is really a terrific guy. You need to talk to John. You need to meet John, you, need, you know, et cetera, means a lot. So let's work on that. Build your reputation. Have it be one that you clearly give your message in a few basic points, the kinds of things you're looking for. Do some research on the problems of the company. What, what are their issues? Ask more questions than you're, than you're speaking, really. Ask more and listen more than you're, you're giving and talking. And then that way, you can begin to build relationships with people who will carry that value proposition to others. And you don't have to just give them the big resume, which of course we think is important, but also you're talking about, hey, here's the ways that I can help you now with my accomplishments, but here's what I might be able to help you to do. Is there anyone in the organization or related to the organization that I should talk to to get to know more about what I can do to help you? How can I help you? That's key. All right, that's it. Dana, thanks for being here. We'll look forward to our next conversation. For their family member or somebody uh, you get what you give in life, and if in fact you're giving, you're going to get more in return. And uh, you don't that give, Paul, does not have to be hours and hours. I know some of my folks are just such good-hearted people that they give so much. I'm like, you know, there is a time for you to ask for help, but the mm-hmm. way you do it when you help someone, like one of my senior logistics leaders who's was with a multi-billion-dollar global company, took time and told me, hey, I spent about 15, 20 minutes with your younger female client who's just an up and coming person in supply chain, et cetera. And she was so happy to hear from him and to get that encouragement. He said, you know what it did for me while I'm in transition? He's in an outplacement program. He said, it just gave me that little bit of oomph that, you know, I love these. This is the kind of person I could see working for me in the future after I get my next opportunity. And who knows? He, he might just hire her because of that, but he just felt like it energized him, he said, because I could see myself in her, you know, 20 some years ago. And he said, it just felt good. And he said, I went into my next conversation where I was being interviewed for an executive position with just because the, the person, in fact, on that conversation say, how do you mentor younger associates to help get your team to where you are? And he was able to bring that example right up. And he said, you know, overtly, it did nothing for me, but he said the very next conversation, it helped him. So I think it's just in line with what you were saying earlier on, Paul. Well, clearly, it, it all has to do with that attitude and confidence that I mentioned earlier. You know, if you come across as a sincere, genuine, caring person, that's the kind of person people want to talk to. If you're aloof, if you're you're plastic, if you're phony, uh, those conversations don't go very far. But be yourself. Be an honest person who's willing to help. And being able to say, yeah, I, I, uh, I'd like to tell you about me. Be a good storyteller about who you are and what you can do. And just rely on your past experiences, your knowledge, and your sincerity, along with your maturity. Uh, we deal with a lot of people that are older, further in their careers, and they're already talking about uh, discrimination because of their age. And I said, well, uh, be discriminated against your age. That's one thing. But be discriminated because of your attitude and your training and your personality, that's a whole other thing altogether that you can control. Oh, so boy. Across that's, with a positive attitude. that's a big one. And I think it's tougher, I think, the older we get uh, to, to kind of deal with that. I mean, there's a push by younger people. And I think some of the, you know, uh, folks who are a little bit older than maybe the norm, 
uh, sometimes exactly feel that way, but that positivity and finding your fit, it's still out there, despite the fact we know, you know, maybe someone says, well, how, you know, how much left do they have? And it all comes in your attitude and your, and that energy and positivity. And I think once people get that, um, they're more likely to hire you and want to refer you. And that's the key is that, that the people that you're meeting have the power to refer you and you don't even know who might be that next person. Or uh, so I just think keeping that open mind, going out with a lot of faith, and but having a career transition coach behind you in an outplacement firm that is physically really active with you, not just sending you through tests and through programs online, which is fine. Uh, there's an automated part of this, but having that hands-on kind of mentality, I think is going to, you know, for the, from the company's point of view, you're going to have a lot of, a lot of happier people, the, the more hands-on that outplacement company is transitioning, not writing things on Glassdoor, not being disgruntled and not feeling like they've been let down. So anyway, what kind of final thoughts do you have, Paul, about outplacement and career transition today as we see it and the way it needs to be done right? Well, I honestly think good quality transition is more important now than it has ever been. Hmm. Uh, with all the changing in the world, with all the way work is being done today, with hybrid work situations, working from home, people really need to take control of their careers early on so that when something comes down the road, like a job transition or a, a company moving or something, they're not then standing there unprepared. They're going to be ready and they're going to have a mindset as to how to get things done. Uh, we talk to a lot of our clients who are older uh, that we're we're encouraging them to become a millennial boomer. Uh, and what we're talking about there, make sure that their technical skills are current with what's going on today, but do not lose all the boomer maturity and reliability and dependability that they have. When you bring boomer skills, I'm sorry, a millennial skills and boomer attitudes together, you've got the winning combination for a great employee. Uh, you know, many times in my HR career, I tried to hire because of, of skills and ability. Years ago, I changed that, and I hired primarily on attitude because I can train the skills. I can't change the attitude. So we spend a lot of time helping people with their attitudinal assessment of themselves and who they are, where they're going, what they bring, what they want to do. And they find that the whole process of finding the next job really changes, and it comes out generally in a very positive way for them. So the message to the companies is you have options to, to really help people. Uh, and we believe that outplacements done right through career transition coaching, the active hands-on is the way to do it today. And our message is for people of all ages at all levels, hey, there's help out there for you. There are people that care and want to get involved. And and last words from you, Paul, as we wrap up this and, and, and great talking to and great having a partner with you with you and with the Global Outplacement Alliance here with the Shed Group, Career Pro Inc., and some of our other uh, friends around the globe. Last words from Paul. Well, I, I don't think outplacement uh, causes people to leave their job. I actually see outplacement encouraging people to stay with the company because it shows how much the company really cares and wants them to grow. With